0: Hello everyone and welcome to The Stagey Place, the podcast where I, Elliot, get to chat with those who work behind the scenes in theatre, from writers to directors, producers to stage managers, and on episode 60, the one that you are listening to right now, I am chatting to the artistic director of the Hope Theatre, Phil Bartlett, who this season is also directing their in-house production of Jen Silverman's The Moors, which is playing from the 11th of October until the 5th of November. I'm incredibly excited to come and watch this production and you'll find out why when you listen to this interview as we talk a little bit about the staging for the production itself. So, without any further ado, here is episode 60 of The Stagey Place with my guest this week, artistic director of the Hope Theatre, Phil Bartlett. Hello Phil and
1: welcome to The Stagey Place. How are you doing today? I'm really well, thank you. I've just finished a morning of rehearsals for The Moors, which is the next show we're doing in-house at the Hope Theatre. We're on week two now of four weeks of rehearsals and it's going well.
0: Yes, because Phil, you are the artistic director of the Hope Theatre in London. And like you just said there, you are bringing Jen Silverman's The Malls to the theatre and you are currently in rehearsals. How is everything going so far?
1: Yeah, they're going really well. So The Mauls is a play that I've wanted to direct since I read it. A couple of years ago now, when I applied to take on the job at the Hope of running the building as the artistic director, it's one of the plays I've sort of mentioned to the the board when I was when I was applying for the job. So it's been a year now. I've been working there, and it's really exciting to be sort of finally putting it putting it on. Yes,
0: it is really exciting that you are bringing the production to the Hope Theatre. And I'm really looking forward to talking more about the production later on in this episode. But first of all, Phil, what I want to know is how did you find your way into directing? So let's go back and meet a younger Phil and tell me a little bit about how you found the joy and love for the theatre industry.
1: Yeah, I grew up in Plymouth in the southwest and our local theatre was the Theatre Royal in Plymouth which is a great theatre. And I remember six or seven or eight-year-olds, like lots of people to the the pantomime. I remember often Brian Connolly was uh-huh. in Pantomime as, as Buttons or whatever the, the kind of comic lead was. And I also remember uh, Danny LaRue, the drag queen who's now passed away, performed there once or twice. Um, and I remember sort of going to the pantomime and like lots of people, you know, the, the spectacle, you know, the costumes and the glitter on the set and the songs and the way that panto changes how you feel. Right. You walk in feeling stressed or depressed or like a, it's a normal day. And you're transported to, you know, um, Cinderella's Castle or, or whatever, you know, yeah. and, and that, that's really exciting. So my earliest kind of theatre memories are very much going to panto, essentially. From that then, I got involved in local Amdram, like lots of people, and then did an English degree. But my English degree, I was very much sort of thinking, I'll do this as a way to sort of keep reading plays and get involved in the college drama society and all those things with a sort of view of, of becoming a director. I think I'd realised quite early on that I wasn't a very good actor and that maybe my skills were better suited to to being off stage.
0: Yeah. And so when you decided, right, directing is exactly what I want to do. This is the pathway that I want to take. What was your first chance or credit as being a director?
1: I'm not sure I'd call it a credit exactly, uh, because sure. it wasn't professional work. But when I was at secondary school, I was really lucky to be involved Trip we you go abroad for a few weeks and you you get to sort of visit a foreign country. And yeah. my school it was a trip to go to South Africa Amazing. to go on the trip to raise three thousand pounds, which was a lot of money. And so I was sixteen. And we did lots of like washing cars to raise money, raffles, bake sales and stuff. Um, but we also, me and my friends, we decided to put a musical on, which of course is not a very smart way to make lots of money. And we begged and borrowed and stole everything. And we staged a production uh, by Jeeves, which is the musical that Lloyd Webber wrote with um, Alan Akebourne that famously flopped and then got revived and sort of flopped again in the new version and made some cash from that. And I think that gave me the sort of bug to sort of direct and, and produce, yeah. Yeah, and now
0: you are the artistic director of the Hope Theatre. Was that something that you always had planned in like, your trajectory of your career? Yeah, it's a
1: it's an unusual role uh, insofar as I think there's not like one clear path you go on to become an artistic director. When I was about 24, I was really lucky in that I applied to be the resident assistant director back in Plymouth at the Theatre Royal. They ran a scheme for about five or six years where each year they would take a sort of young uh, theatre maker, director, and give them 12 months in the building where they'd sort of be able to to assistant direct on, on shows that were happening in the drum space, like new writing yeah. often, and also generally get a sense of what it was like to run a building. The person running the building then was uh, Simon Stokes, who's a great great director and artistic director. And so I did that for sort of 12 months and that really solidified for me that running a building was a thing that I, I was interested in doing. I think if you run a building well, and who'd say what well is, but but if you run a building well, it can be a force for good in the community and in society. That's kind of excited me ever since. And then the job at The Hope was advertised in summer 2021. I'd just finished lots of uh, work at drama schools and universities, and it was the end of the pandemic. So it was a weird time still for sort of getting directing work. And I just thought maybe it was a sign. So yeah. I applied for that and somehow I got it, which is lovely. So, yeah, I've been there for sort of 12 months now and it's been lots of fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what has some of the highlights been so far for you as the artistic director?
1: I think the highlights really are, are so many insofar as the, the job is really varied and, yeah. and that's the best bit about it. Because we're a pub theatre, it's 50 seats in a, in a little black box room above a, above a pub. And, and that intimacy is absolutely part of like the joy of that space. It was turned into a, a theatre space about 10 years ago. Before that, it was like the overflow dining area. But someone, someone innovative, had the thought that if we paint it black and put some lights up, we can do theatre in here. As a result, it's a really small team. There's myself and two or three others who were kind of the core team at The Hope. And so my job doesn't just involve meeting artists and sort of pre- programming what happens in the space yeah. but also it's doing the budgeting it's looking after like having paper towels for the toilets you know it's yeah. doing the social media and the marketing it's a really varied role and that yeah. I find really interesting it's definitely been like a boot camp almost for learning how to do all these different parts of, of running a building.
0: Yeah, let's just talk a little bit about the programming at the Hope Theatre. How do you decide what you want your seasons to look like? Have you already got something in mind, like a year or two in advance where you're like, I want to focus on this for this season that we're doing at our establishment?
1: Yeah, so when I took over, we now program like four times a year, sort of spring, summer, autumn, winter. And on one level, variety is really good. Like you don't want all your stuff to be the same or you'll find your audiences get bored of that. The things we tend to look for is we like stories that are dramatic, which sounds obvious. You know, there are, there are lots of performance spaces in pubs that might do like stand up nights or might do kind of improv nights or music nights. But actually the Hope Theatre has always been like a space for like storytelling and sort of like pure plays, if you like, well, or, or gig theatre or whatever. So we're looking for like proper bits of theatre, stuff that's not that's not film, that's not stand up, but it is theatre. So, yeah, a, a good dramatic story is really important. And then I like stuff that is somehow surprising. Where like in the first five minutes, you can't tell where it's going. You know, no. it might be that's to do with like plot twists or it could be it's to do with the style of the piece kind of shifting throughout. Stuff that somehow will keep the audience engaged because it's not immediately apparent what you're watching. Oh, it's the new Philly bag or, oh, it's the new Hamlet or whatever. And I guess then finally, we, we look for stuff that has something to say about the world we're living in now, which again is, is kind of all good art, right? Yeah. But yeah, finding stories that... Aren't being staged just because the company want to put on a Hamlet because it's got some juicy lines in. That's stuff that has something to say to kind of connect with audiences in 2022. We're also, like with, with the winter season that's being announced in a, a month or so's time, we're also we're very aware that at the moment people are feeling this kind of cost of living crisis, right? There's, there's a bit of a crunch that's coming. So we're very keen to kind of find ways that we can support theatre makers. Lots of people that bring work to the hope are emerging kind of quite young or or, you know kind of quite green theatre makers and it could be one of of their first jobs they're doing after drama school or they'll be kind of young producers that haven't got hundreds of credits or millions of pounds in the bank so we're looking for ways we can support theatre makers and keep the costs as low as possible Ways we can support audiences too because of course ticket prices the higher they go the less kind of um, accessible the the work is people and also the local community it's ways that we can not just be the hope theater as a kind of closed bubble but we can be the hope theater on upper street in islington as part of you know um, london and and how we can be engaging with the local community so yeah. that's the thing that particularly this season we've been thinking about what can we do to engage with those kind of different groups and, and help them out
0: yeah and obviously the hope theater are now staging the malls this autumn and am i writing thinking that the whole cast are made of recent graduates
1: yeah that's correct yeah. so we it's a cast of six And um we made the decision myself and the producer Ella that we were going to try and cast pandemic graduates, if you like. Yeah. So people who had finished their full-time training since March 2020 when the pandemic sort of started. And that was partly born from I've taught lots in drama schools and universities, and I was teaching through the, the pandemic, the kind of the really, the really rough bit of the pandemic. Yeah. And it just felt like I was really trying the hardest I could to make sure those students had. A sort of comparable experience yeah. but of course I'm sure some courses like maths or science there'll have been disruption but if you're doing maths I imagine if you move your lectures online the maths doesn't change but actually of course you know theatre in its purest form is is people in a room sort of interacting telling a story and who would have thought three years ago that that would become so impossible to do for, for a long time to, to be in a room with people I found as, as a lecturer as a, as a teacher it was really hard to give students a kind of comparable experience. And so those, those students have been through so much, I think, through the pandemic um, yeah. and still uh, are so talented, so many of them. So, yeah, we made the call to essentially only see actors who had trained in the last sort of, yeah, two and a half years. And we still had thousands of applications, almost 2,000 people applied. And we then we met 120 people for a kind of first round audition. Yeah. And then it was 30 that came back for the second round. And now we have this absolutely stellar bunch of six young actors who are uh, smashing it and, and are really exciting, yeah.
0: Well, that is incredibly exciting. Over a thousand submissions sounds crazy and how you've managed to whittle it down to get this cast is really exciting. So let's talk about The malls. then. You said that you read it a couple of years ago, really enjoyed it and wanted to stage it as part of a season at the Hope Theatre whilst you were the artistic director. Tell me a little bit about the show and the story and why you think you wanted to stage it for this season at the Hope Theatre.
1: Okay so The Moors is as you mentioned earlier part inspired by the the letters of of Charlotte Bronte, specifically yeah. one of the Bronte sisters. And the setup, I suppose, is it's set in this ancient mansion out on the Moors, I guess the Yorkshire Moors probably, it's not specified, but probably the Yorkshire Moors yeah. uh, where the Brontes grew up. And in the first scene, this young woman who is a, a governess, an educator, uh, she arrives at this mansion. She's answered an advert to, to come and educate the, the child of the house. And she arrives at the mansion and she's greeted by these two Rather strange sisters, and that the maid of the house is also very, very odd, and the family dog, but there's no sign of the child she's supposed to be educating. Yeah. And so from the very beginning of the play, there's this sense that something's not right. And I won't give too much more away, but but yeah. from there, this really juicy, quite dark, occasionally quite surreal story sort of develops. It involves a series of characters who are in different ways trying to kind of improve their circumstances or expand their sort of understanding of what's possible for them. And there's this sense that actually to get ahead in this very kind of bleak landscape of the Moors, magnificent but quite bleak and merciless, these characters have to be quite cold-blooded and quite ruthless. It's a juicy plot. The writing's really, really good. Jen Silverman, the writer, is a really exciting, still quite young American playwright. And it opened off-Broadway back in 2017. It's been done quite a lot around America, but this will be the first professional production in the UK. It's really exciting to have it at The Hope, and it's really exciting to be working on it with these really talented young performers so one of the reasons i wanted to do it at, the, at the hope is the hope as you'll know is an intimate space it's yeah. 50 seats in this small room and it's quite a big play this it's 15 scenes one five and they take place in different rooms of this mansion and also out on the the moors it's kind of this endless landscape on the moors where the, yeah. the hills and the skies kind of roll forever and sort of confining that within the space of the hope really excited me as a challenge yeah. i think it will create a sense of Slight claustrophobia, deliberately, for the audience. We're staging it like an installation. The character will be in the space with the audience for most of the performance, and it will feel a bit like the audience is sort of trapped in this unusual, harsh, slightly weird landscape with these characters. So I think it should be quite a... Quite an intense experience for the audience and certainly it shouldn't be theater you can sort of fall asleep in in the back row yeah. um i think they'll be kind of on their toes the whole time so giving the audience is a really unusual experience is one of the things that, that excites me yeah
0: That all sounds incredibly exciting. I really do love the intimacy of theatre spaces, especially pub theatres, because you are right there in the midst of the action of the story. And to hear like an installation type, you know, performance going on at the Hope Theatre is also incredibly exciting and something that I don't think gets done that often and something that I've also really missed since the pandemic. Like, I'm glad that we're now doing that again and you're staging the malls as an installation type piece at the Hope Theatre, that's incredible. So before we move on to advice, Phil, what I'd love to know is who the rest of the team are on the mall, so do you just want to give them a little bit of a shout out? I'll try not forget
1: anyone, because um, yeah. they're brilliant. brilliant. Um, so it's, a, it's an in-house production at the Hope, and we've brought in lots of brilliant creatives and production team to make it happen. The setting costume designer is Sophia Pardon, who I've worked with once before in a production at the Barn Theatre. She's brilliant, and the model box that she's put together for how the space will hopefully look is, is really, really exciting. We have this idea that it's like we're trapping the audience inside this mansion. Yes, but yeah. it's a bit like also the moors outside are starting to invade. And so it's, there's, you've got bits of, you know, soil on the floorboards coming through the floorboards, or you've oh. got branches coming through the windows and things. So the, yeah. the set looks really, really exciting if we can pull it off. So yeah, is doing set and costume design. Julian Starr, is doing sound design. He's just finished doing Rose Park Creative, which was brilliant. Yes. And then we've got the lovely Jonathan Simpson, who is doing the lighting design. So it's a really, really strong team. They're our main creative team, yeah. And it's a real team effort, this one. Uh, because it wants it to feel quite installation-y yeah. it really is about like sound and lights and costume and staging and the performances kind of all coming together in this tiny space that is the is the Hope Theatre.
0: Well, Phil, everything that you are saying about the production sounds incredibly exciting, and I really hope that I can make it to the production at the Hope Theatre whilst it's on. So, Phil, thank you so much for coming on to talk about the production. I absolutely love hearing everything that's going on with the Moors. We're now gonna move on to advice that you may have for young. People. So, Phil, you work as a director and are the artistic director of the Hope Theatre. What advice would you have for younger people who may also want to delve into the career path of becoming a director in the theatre industry?
1: I get asked this question quite a lot. Yeah. It's a really good question. And I always like struggle with it because it's a really tough industry. And so I suppose the first thing is you have to have like a fire within you that it's the thing you really want to do. I mean, like professionally. You want to make this your career, because if you're going to go for it, you have to really kind of really go for it. If you've made that commitment, I suppose then as a young creative, it's about seeing as much stuff as possible. And obviously there's there's always barriers financially in terms of like paying for tickets and things. But it's about also keeping your nose to the ground. Can you find ways to get cheap tickets, to get free tickets, to see things with your friends that are maybe cheaper, um, watch things online? But I think it really is when you're starting out about seeing as much stuff as possible and not just seeing stuff at venues that you know you love you know maybe perhaps you love well the Hope Theatre let's say mm-hmm. come to the Hope absolutely yeah. but also make sure you're going to the National Theatre to Soho Theatre to the Bush Theatre to a regional theatre when you're out of town back in your hometown perhaps yeah. um see opera if you can see ballet if you can see some weird performance art in a in a cupboard if you can like the the more stuff you can see the better because then you'll start to work out what you like and what you don't like on the most like detailed level you can, you know. Yeah. Just say, well, oh, I, I like new writing, it's fine, but what kinds of new writing? What kind of writers do you like? What kind of structures to plays do you like? Which director's work do you like? Because the more specific you can be about those things, the more easily you can then find people to work with you who will share your kind of interests and ambitions and um, the things that, that turn you on. Because yeah. you can find 10 brilliant designers but it might be that only two of those designers will really click with you in terms of like your aesthetic and what you want to do. So being able to kind of articulate what your, what excites you, I think is, is really important.
0: Well Phil, that sounds like an incredible piece of advice and I hope that if there is anybody listening to this episode who wants to be a director, they can hopefully take note of your response. So Phil, we're now going to move over to the final question of this interview and it is of course the title of this podcast and that is the stagey place and what I love to know about my guests is whereabouts their stagey place is. So Phil, This could be the regional theatre that you grew up with. This could be the Theatre Royal Plymouth, for example, as you mentioned in a previous answer on this interview. It could be the Hope Theatre, where you are now the artistic director and are directing The Moors, currently Jane Silverman's The Moors, having its UK premiere this autumn. Or it could just be the place where you feel the most creative in the theatre industry. So, Phil Bartlett, reveal to me and everybody listening to this episode, whereabouts, is your stagey place. Elliot, my stagey place
1: is the drum theatre which is the studio space within the theatre Royal Plymouth. And it's it's the smaller of the two spaces, the studio. And when I was about 15, 16, 17, it was programmed by a brilliant guy called David Prescott, who's still very much around Plymouth, doing brilliant things along with Simon Stokes. And they had, I think, an astonishing programme, given it was Plymouth, which is my hometown, I love it, but it wasn't London. They had work coming from companies like Payne's Plough. They had work coming from the Royal Court. They had work from exciting writers like... James Graham was writing original work for them. They had work from Grey Eye, I saw a sort of production that Grey Eye did have blasted the Sarah Kane play, which yeah. just blew my mind. And the fact that was happening in Plymouth really excited me. And I as as a boy from Plymouth, seeing all this really high quality exciting often quite kind of boundary pushing or certainly kind of top level sort of work and new writing in particular new stories that really sort of stoked the fire of my interest in, in working in theatre so yeah the, the drum theatre will always remain for me my stagiest of stagy places
0: Amazing. Well, Phil, thank you so much for coming on to the Stage of Place today. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you about being the Artistic Director of the Hope Theatre, as well as your upcoming production of The Moors, which is happening from the 11th of October until the 5th of November. Phil, thank you so much once again for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. And there we go. That was my interview with the Artistic Director of the Hope Theatre, Phil I'd love to thank Phil so much for coming on to this stage place, for taking time out of his lunch hour as we recorded that episode and it was just so lovely to be able to get the chance to talk to him about his career as the artistic director as well as what it's been like directing Jen Silverman's The Moors which, like I say, is running from the 11th of October until the 5th of November and you can buy your tickets from the Hope Theatre website but we'll also have the links in our episode notes below so be sure to check that out wherever you are listening to this podcast. You can also follow The Stagey Place on social media. We are at The Stagey Place on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, where we are posting bonus content from all of our episodes, as well as some of the shows that I have gone to see recently, including The Girl on the Train at the Barn Theatre in Cirencester and Good Luck Studio at the Mercury Theatre in Colchester. Both of these reviews, I actually did a write-up for, for Theatre and Tonic. And you can find these both on our Instagram at the Stagey Place. It will also be in our bio, where you can look at our link tree and everything is on there, including where you can listen to this podcast. And on that note, that is everything for this week. So until you hear from me next, I hope you are keeping safe and you're having a stagey week. Goodbye.